This is the Daily Coaching Podcast, bringing you thoughts, discussions and expert insight into all things football and coaching. I asked myself first, like, why? Like, who actually needs this session? Imagine, looking back, that you were that positive impact in someone's week. So in today's episode, we're talking leaving an impact within football coaching. And the guest that I have on, Ali Speechley, I personally believe he's doing exactly that. Ali has worked within the girls and women's game from grassroots level, all the way up to senior clubs such as Millwall, Tottenham and Chelsea. Ali is inspiring girls and women across the game, whether that's for playing purposes or for coaching purposes. You do not want to miss out on the knowledge that Ali has and the inspiration and messages that she is sharing across the women's game. So, without further ado, let's get straight into this one. So, Ali, just going into a sort of broader question, really, um, just talk to us a bit about your experiences and your background within football coaching. Um, kind of from when you started, sort of bringing us up to date um, to where we are now. Yeah, sure. So um, I started, this is like a memory test on my, on my years. I started um, around 2014 was when I actually kind of started coaching for a club. Um, that was a, a girls sort of after school club called um, Dalmain Athletic Girls Football Club that was based locally to me in Lewisham. Um, and that's where I'd, all, I'd basically done my level one um, with the FA and I was interested um, in seeing what level two was about. But at that time, in order to do your level two, you did actually need to be coaching a team. So that's why I joined Dalmain. Um, and then it kind of just went from there, really. After that, I coached um, in uh, for Millwall Lionesses Regional Talent Club, which is obviously like basically the girls version of a, an academy. Um, I did a season there. Then I moved over to Tottenham Hotspur where I coached the under-13s, then went through with them to under-14s. And then this season, really, at the beginning of this season, um, I decided to move more into the sort of community side of coaching. So I moved over to Spurs Foundation, where I started to do their community work. And I work as part of a programme called Making Sport a Daily Habit. Um, And predominantly I work with girls and women, but I do coach boys and men sometimes as well. And that's anything from like seven year olds to 67 year olds in walking football. It's really varied. Um, And I also coach um, a women's grassroots team, like a Sunday league team called South London Laces, which again, I started doing this season. So that's like a whirlwind (laughs) tour of a whistle stop tour of, of my coaching experience. Okay. Well, again, it sounds like a, obviously a vast sort of um, range of different experiences um, and different age groups as well. Um, just before we go into the, the sort of next sort of main bulk of the topic, um, so obviously you're coaching different age groups um, and obviously different um, abilities, um, and also you mentioned obviously some uh, players within the female game and then obviously some players within the sort of male game as well. Um, do you kind of do you kind of find uh, there's a bit of a difference within sort of players' approaches to the sessions? So obviously, depending on the ability that they're at and what they want out of the expectations. Um, as a sort of coach, how do you kind of ensure that they 
get what they want out of the sessions, whether they're a five-year-old boy or girl who's playing for the first time, or somebody's who's walking football who may want some more sort of social, social aspects and reasons out of it. Yeah, sure. It's a good question. I think um, it's become a little bit of a, a cliche, particularly in in youth in youth sport. Um, but for me, it needs to be fun, yeah. regardless of whether I'm coaching a seven-year-old who's never kicked a ball before or a 57-year-old who's doing walking football or anything in between. Um, for me, uh, it needs to be enjoyable. The reason I coach is because I enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And it's the same for the players. Obviously, then, depending on their ability level and what type of session you've put on, like if it's in an academy, regional talent club, um, or if it's, you know, like a taster session like Wildcats or something like that, obviously then the sessions, the way you, the, the sort of the session plan and then the delivery of the session might be slightly different. But the same thing, it's, it's always the same. What is the desired outcome? What is that? What does that player need? And what's the best way to give it to them? Um, and, and that's how I work really. Like, why, why are we doing this? That's what I always say. Every time I try and deliver anything, I ask myself first, like, why? Like, who actually needs this session? Because yeah. for me, if the player, if the answer isn't linked to the player, then I need to start again. Um, I think, I don't want to sound too critical, but I think a lot of the, there's a lot of egos in football. <laughs> and I think anyone who's worked in any environment in football would agree. And I think it's very easy. Like, I've certainly been guilty of it myself in the past. Um, no one's perfect, but I think it's very easy for a coach sometimes to make it too much about them. And really, it's not about me at all. It's about the players. Of course. Um, yeah, that point there you said about sort of, you know, let's be honest, there is there's a lot of egos within football and there's a lot of um, opinions that people do things in a particular way because they believe it's the right way, not for the players, but for them. You know, whether it be sort of they've had that within their previous experiences now, just because they've had that experience now they feel they ought they ought to do it and they have to do it in this yeah. way um or like um yeah. sorry to interrupt you it's just it reminded me of like there's this saying um around um like a good coach is a good thief or something it's yeah. about like you know you see something and you think oh yeah i'm gonna use that like absolutely if, if you see something and, and you think it could be beneficial to your players in your context and your environment that's fine, but then appreciate that there's probably going to need some adaptation there. You're not, it's, it's very unlikely that you're going to you're going to take unless it's like like I say, um, like a sort of wildcats type environment where yeah. there's certain key activities um, designed specifically around you know tr trying to engage young girls who maybe haven't played football before that sort of thing. Yes, then you can sort of roll out certain activities, um, but in other in certain environments there it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to take a session and then drop it into your kids or your adults and it's going to yeah. work perfectly for them um like i see all the time people watch stuff on youtube and think oh yeah i'm gonna do that and it's like you're watching barcelona under 12s yeah. do you coach barcelona under 12s <laughs> like you know do you even coach academy kids under 12s like if you're coaching you know, you have to think about the players in front of you. Coach the player in front of you. That's that's the best advice I can give, really. Yeah, I think that is, that's the art, isn't it? I think, like you mentioned, a lot of people will... I think one of the famous strap lines is, um, have you got a session I can use? 
Now, yeah. you know, as coaches, we probably have many sessions which we can share. But as you just mentioned, is it going to be relevant to the players? Is it going to work with the environment that you're within? You know, more than likely, most of the time it's not. And I think coaches are so quick to sometimes shut down or oh, tried your session out, doesn't work. Well, why, yeah. why doesn't it work? Is it because... And there you go. That's the why the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the why element. So. I, think, I think that. I think that why question for me, like that, as soon as I started to think in that way, it just opened up my head to a whole new way of coaching. Um, yeah. And you're, you're much more likely to achieve your desired outcomes if, if you're really honest with yourself on the why question, because it makes you drill down into the detail. Um, and sometimes that can be really uncomfortable because you're thinking, yeah. oh, I didn't really want to spend that long planning this session. Like I just wanted to quickly write this one out or type this one out. But, you know, the, the more you put in, the more you get out. So, Yeah, no, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I mean, what, one of the kind of interesting things which um, I wanted to kind of touch on was uh, your philosophy. So, um, well, opening word, it really did engage me. Um, but the <laughs> engage, um, educate and empower sort of philosophy, I mean, often kind of as you just mentioned there, you know, a coach may come up with a philosophy and I'm going to say in inverted commas, they often talk about styles of play and, uh, you know, technical aspects and things such as that. But I think that um, especially with the sort of uh, redesigning of the B model, B model, B, B license um, and the sort of, mm. you know, way in which you have to create a philosophy. But um, yeah, that was something that really stuck out to me in which your, your coaching and which you, what you do. Um, how did it kind of come about um, and how do you kind of try to implement it? Because as we just mentioned there, often you know, we have to react to the players or the group or the situations which yeah. are in front of us. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I think, I think the first thing for me is, that, is, is the important distinction between a coaching philosophy and a playing philosophy. So obviously like a, a style of play is, is all your tactical detail and, and that kind of your formation what, what, what do we do when we've got the ball? What do we do when we don't have the ball? That kind of stuff. Coaching philosophy for me um, is as much to me about who you are as a person as anything else. And I think the, the, first, the, the first part of coaching for me is, is like, it's teaching, isn't it? It's, t it's teaching by any other label. And if you're going to teach someone, you need to reach them first. And so that's where the engage part of it comes in. Um, and I think, in order to kind of engage with people you sort of because what you're trying to do is you're trying to understand someone in order to understand someone you've got to understand yourself first and so that's why i i say that it mostly to me a coaching philosophy who are you as a coach like why do you coach because you i had this conversation with one of my mentors um and they were like they were like, you'd be amazed how many coaches I say to them, why do you coach? And they're like, <laughs> so like, even, even that, like all coaches, I challenge anyone that's watching this now, just write down a few reasons. Why do you coach? Um, and so my philosophy sort of, I think it's kind of always been within me because it's very much who I am as a person anyway. I've always tried to kind of reach people on their level in a way that they can understand. And that's not a patronizing thing. It's not saying, I'm going to talk to you like this in simple language. So you understand it's like, actually, how can I relate to you um, as an individual? Because that's the thing. And I think, I think a lot of my coaching is with youth players, but actually more and more when I coach adult players, they're just kids 
in adult bodies yeah. and everyone, regardless of age or gender or ethnicity or religion or any other background, wants to feel special. Every individual is an individual and wants to feel like one. So it's basically like, how can I reach out to you and make you feel special? Um, and I think my philosophy kind of has always been there because that's who I am as a person, but it sort of crystallized when I was studying my UEFA B license because I had to, <laughs> because the course demanded that I put something on a page. Um, and, and what I realized is that when I started to answer that question myself, why do I coach? What, what sparks joy in it for me? Why do, why do I do it? Those three words were the words that started to come up again and again and again every time I thought about it. So that's just really how it came about. Okay, interesting. I, I think, like again, like you said, there really it's it's weird how as coaches, again, a lot of the time we're set within our ways and we think that our ways are the right way of doing things. And it's not even really being challenged on it, but I think even just simply by having discussions, as you mentioned there, kind of through having something with your mentor or um, you know being sort of not forced into it, but uh, prompted into doing it on your UEFA B course, it gets mm. you thinking. Um, and you know it's not to say that what you've been doing in the past is wrong but it just sort of refreshes your mind and thinks well you know do I need to change anything um, why have I why have I got it in the way in which I have um, as you mm -hmm. said there like obviously as your experiences have, have gone on you've obviously been sort of exposed to a different range and a different age of players as well but it's like you said not really taking those fundamentals away from you know well empowering a five-year-old child or empowering a 45-year-old yeah exactly. person child adult <laughs> sort of thing mm. um so yeah it's, it's interesting how that that sort of carries through without um again on on that point as well you mentioned something really interesting there about the sort of you know it kind of reflecting you as an individual um and how you kind of look for it to well, see empower um individuals as well um i think one of the most common things which a lot of coaches talk about is improving a player's technical ability now Obviously, that's very important because technically that's, like you said, we're, we're teachers of the game and it's, you know, you want to improve knowledge and understanding and potentially the technical ability of a player as well. Um, but just in your sort of experiences and opinion as well, do you tend to find that within your coaching, there's more of an impact on the technical stuff solely um, or um, the individual solely or sort of a mixture of the two? Because I think as often we kind of neglect the fact that actually we're creating, whether they're adults, whether they're children, these people's personalities, their traits, their characteristics, their decisions, their problem solving. So yeah, what's mm. your kind of thoughts and feelings on that? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. I, I think it, it probably has to be a mixture of, of the two. Um, I think again, it comes back to thinking about that individual in that moment because again another important part of coaching for me is is empathy and these players regardless of age um, and gender are not robots they're not machines that have come to us and just powered on and then they're in the session you know they exist outside of of, of our hour two hours that we have with them and whatever's happened to them that day that week that month that lifetime comes with them into that session um so i think we always need to be aware that these are human beings just like us um i think i think it, the, the 
the um, the challenge for a coach is is to hit those four corners. I know the FA talks about four corners a lot, and I think um, if anything, the one that is neglected for me is the psychological one. Um, yeah. Partly because that's complicated stuff, right? <laughs> like n- none of us are like qualified psychologists, um, and that's linked to what I say about helping helping coaches to understand themselves first so that then they can understand other people as well um and i think in general in society with psychology we tend to seek psychological support at time of crisis rather than being taught sort of how to express our feelings and emotions just all the time rather than waiting until there's a problem so even in elite sport you you will have a psychologist in in a, in a team like a doctor in a team but that person probably is only engaged when someone's got a long-term injury or something like that. And it's like, well, hang on, they should be taught as they go how to deal with the frustrations and, and, and all the emotions that come up from competing in sport. But I think in, in terms of the environments that I work in, which are not elite, <laughs> um, it's very much grassroots and, immu- and community. Um, I think it's about, it's the right level of challenge as well. Um, I was thinking very much recently for another presentation that I did around like how we can create sort of competitive environments that are safe. Um, And I think there is a bit of a myth, particularly in girls football, that um, they don't really want competition, that actually it needs to be nice. (laughs) And, um, And it's like, obviously, it does need to be nice in the sense that we need to have respect for one another. But competition is a massive part of learning. And girls, just like anyone else, thrive in competitive situations. And that's that's when you get the best out of anyone is when you test what they're capable of. So I think in in terms of the coaching that I do, I'm always trying to pitch it at the right level for those players. Now, that's challenging, as all coaches will know, because you have the individuals, but then you have the units, then you have the team, you know, then you have the squad. Like, it's not always easy to meet all of those needs. But is trying to pitch it at the right level in terms of tactical information, technical information, when to deliver it, how to deliver it. And for me, you have to know the person first in order to know how and when to deliver different types of information. So I think, yes, it's a mixture of the two, but I think one maybe comes first. I think the people side of it comes before the technical and tactical. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. I think you know, again, like I said, often the the first thought is the football side of things. But like you said, unless you understand that person um, and and what they need, I mean, you know, how how often do we hear stories about you know really good footballers but not so good attitudes, um, and you know often they're sort of pushed to the side and maybe not given sort of opportunities because of their lack of. Uh, you know, attitude or the lack of personality or lack of, of those sort of traits. And, you know, like you said there, if, if, if coach is looking at it from a perspective of working with the person, the individual first, you know, why are they like this? You know, is it issues exactly. which the coach can, can develop and, and, and build rapport on with that player? Um, I mean, mm-hmm. so often there's, um, you know, players who trust coaches and, and really do sort of build big rapports and, and relationships with coaches. Similar to like, I suppose, when we, we've all gone to school and, you know, there'll be the teachers which we really like and we really got on with. And because yeah. of that, we, we learn well off of them, not just in terms mm. of subjects, but also 
the people that they are and, and, and their traits but then there's also been teachers which people probably didn't like and probably quickly forgot about their traits and the way in which they was as an individual so yeah I think I think you're definitely right in terms of it, it needs to be that that person first and once that happens then you can start to slowly build that impact on the actual football element and like I said it's yeah. a mixture of the two really but it happens naturally one after the other I suppose yeah and and all of it takes time as well. I don't I don't want any coaches watching this to think, oh, I've just made that sound sound like I could probably get that done in two weeks. Like, this evolves over a lifetime. Like I read an interview um, uh, with Gareth Southgate where he was saying like he's and he's in a he's in an interesting position as well, obviously, where he doesn't have that group of players all the time. And often by the time those internationals roll around, the squad can be quite different for yeah. various reasons. Um, and he said he, he's constantly learning those individuals and learning what makes them tick so that he can get the best out of them. Um, so I don't want anyone watching to think it's like a kind of overnight process. It's, 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 you'll, you'll do it forever. For as long as you coach, you'll be trying to learn more about the people you coach. Yeah, and I think, like you said, not only given the time, but also, you know, sticking with it really as well because at times there'll be challenges and, and barriers which either the player may face or you may face as a coach um, mm. but also like you said that, that interaction as well because you know I say to many of the coaches that you know although they may feel that they play a really important part and role within a player's life believe me by the time that they're even eight nine ten years old mm. they would have had thousands of coaches before you and they will have yeah. thousands of coaches afterwards and yeah you know, it's only those traits, like I said before, and uh, like you said there, if you're focusing on the player, well, they're, they're going to, that's going to stick out more than just, oh, you know, coach has told me about yeah. ball, but actually coach yeah. about, you know, my, myself and, and how to build my character and, and how to build my confidence. And like you said, those psychological traits and those psychological factors, really. Yeah. So, and I, th- I, think, I think that's a really good point. And I think it's about, exactly for for the time that that player is with me which could be you know some of the sessions I coach they'll come once and they won't come again I hope that's not because they've had a bad time it could be lots of reasons why family reasons or whatever because they're drop-in sessions that's the nature of them or they'll come and then they won't come again for a few weeks and then they'll come for ages and then they'll go again but for the time that that player is with me can I have a positive impact now that will vary player to player but I think the point you make is is really important around you don't know how long you'll have that player for and they will have lots of outside influences you know outside your session so can you just ensure that in that hour half an hour whatever it is that you have a positive impact on them yeah yeah I I think that's should should be the goal for every every coach and um, even every teacher as well I think even from an educational point of view um, so yeah. yeah it's massively important um, kind of touching on that then um, so obviously like I said having that positive impact um, on an individual um, from your experiences so far um, and uh, looking into the future as well what kind of impact do you feel that you've already had on a player or players um, should I say um, and what kind of impact do you sort of set yourself out to have within sort of um, the players that you coach or the people um, as individuals? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously the best the best answer for that is to get that from the players, <laughs> yeah. but they're not yeah. all here. So, um, yeah, in fact, none of them are here, obviously. But, um, 
yeah, I just, I think my, my aspiration, like I just sort of linked to my previous answer is to have a positive impact. Like I said, that, that could vary player to player and it could vary session to session and depending on the context, the environment I'm coaching in. Sometimes I have moments with players where they just need to rant about something that's happened outside of football just to feel better. Um, sometimes it's there's a trick that they're trying to master like a 1v1 trick and it's like oh, I can't get this and, and it's about empowering them to keep trying tweaking their technique teaching them how to do it helping them feel that you know failing is a part of learning all of that stuff um it varies so so massively but ultimately for me like I just I, I want I, I always want my players regardless of the environment I'm coaching in, I want my players to come away from a session like just having enjoyed it and that and, and like for some players that's just because literally they've had a physical workout and it's helped yeah. them feel better mentally that's great like as long as the, the the result is positive um obviously depending on environment i will have specific desired outcomes as a coach like that i want them to understand a certain pattern of play or, or whatever but um but but ultimately I want them to have enjoyed it and that might sound a bit like well that's great but what are they actually getting out of it but I think if if all they're getting out of it is that they feel better coming out than when they came in to me that's not a small prize that's massive yeah um that's a brilliant impact to have had on someone's day and over weeks and years that you could imagine imagine looking back that you were that positive impact in someone's week over a lifetime like yeah. that's an amazing feeling as a coach I think it's so often than not we sort of almost don't even realize the things that we do which leaves that lasting sort of impact or legacy on on, on an individual or a player I mean it sounds yeah, definitely really bad but you know how many people or which you've coached children or adults that you probably walk past in the street and they shout out your name and they're like do you remember me and you're nodding yeah, yeah, yeah. how are you doing? But... <laughs> uh, you don't ever know who they are, but you know, because you've also come into contact with so many people that you coach and things like that, but, but for them, similar, they have so many people which they coach and which they um, sort of, you know, come into contact with, but you know, mm. as often like I said, coaches look at things from a football perspective, but they're actually saying, well, I like this coach because of what they've brought out for me, like you said, they're having the fun element, uh, yeah. just clearing someone's mind so that, you know, I mean, it's a massive thing within within football and something which football massively helps with. But like I said, people's mental health, you know, it's just that mm. hour a week which someone might play football, you know, what might not even get many touches on the ball, but just being within that social yeah. environment or the opportunity just to, to take part in physical activity is mm. it's massive. And I said so often, I think we probably don't even realise the impact and the legacy in which we have on our players, but it's there and, 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 and they, they understand it and they, they feel it sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. That, and that's why I said like that the, I can say the impact I hope I have and I hope to have, but, but really you have to ask the players. Yeah, totally. And again, I suppose it's part of that uh, building the rapport and that, that whole FA module plan do review because, you know, like I said, you can review yeah. as much as you want to and think, oh, well, I've got this out of my session and I've got this over the course of a period of time, my short or medium or long-term aims mm. and goals. But like you said, from a player's perspective, it might be something to- totally different. So, um, 
So yeah, no, that's very interesting. Um, I think I think sorry, just touching sorry, on yeah. that plan to review as well. I think I think um, I think even just having this conversation with you now, I've just thought about this, and like I think even that when you sort of in all those stages, it's like you're you're thinking about lots of different things aren't you so you're not so sometimes we get focused in on the sort of technical or tactical like in our planning we're like okay what is it that we're going to work on and then when we deliver it we're like okay what are they getting and then when we review it we think okay did they come away understanding how to um play out from the back or defend you know through balls or whatever and actually we forget to plan do and review all the other stuff in terms yeah. of how are they gonna how how is this gonna feel to them when they're learning and how much time i think that's one of my biggest learning curves as a coach is how much time i allow play, players to learn to do something yeah i think um some of the old style coaching coach education um it sort of encouraged us to do a different topic every week and it's like there is a balance to be struck because if you try and like roll out the same session every single week, players of every age are going to get a bit notice. funny with you about that. Yeah. Um, but again, like, so you might not want to repeat it week after week, but you certainly need to revisit it. Um, and you need to review it so that when you revisit it, it's not the exact same session because actually they've done that session already but it's it's the same topic because you don't just like how many attempts did it take you to learn how to walk like yeah. <laughs> you didn't just get up one day and then you could walk perfectly yeah. and i think it's that patience of actually this is going to take some time so let's give let's give all, let's give everyone some time let's give them some time and let's give myself as a coach some time to work out how to get this right for them yeah i think go back to that impact word as well you know how can you have an impact if they haven't understood it or they haven't got it. Um, and like you just said, there's this typical theme of, you know, week one, we're going to do dribbling. Week two, we're going to do passing. Week three, we're going to do 1v1s. But hold on, if they haven't got all of that in the prior weeks, then you haven't had an impact. You know, you've, had an, you've introduced yeah. it to them, but the impact hasn't happened because they haven't got it and they haven't understood it. And then I suppose that goes back mm. down to the individual again because some of them may have got it. Some of them may have understood yeah. it. But it's, you may have, like you said, a unit that are working together and combining together. How do you get the one who doesn't understand it to still mm. be able to participate and take part within a session which requires essentially multiple outcomes rather than just the, the one in isolation? So, mm. yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like you said, I think it takes time and not only from a coach's perspective, but also from the other players as well, understanding that and supporting other players yes. through that. And and that in itself is um is a really interesting challenge uh, for a coach how do you manage those group dynamics um yeah. and i think something that i learned last year um just from like a, a, a sort of cpd event i went on was um like basically socially who is the the boss of the group like like who is the power player in that group socially who's the one that 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 calls the shots um and if you can get them on board then you can you can influence the the locker room as it were yeah. but if you don't have that individual on your side for whatever reason the, the rest of it can be a struggle um 
and I think that's interesting. So that <laughs> that might sound a bit cynical. I don't really, know, but I just mean if you can identify yeah. who who the influencer of the group is, um, and that that's not necessarily the best player. Yeah. Um, and and but if you can identify who that is and, and sort of work with them, um, and again, it, it's it's about plan do review on that. Like you'll try something with a player. Um, and then they might enjoy it at first and then actually they'll cotton onto it or they'll just be like, oh, you're just saying that because you want me to do this or what, you know, and you, you, you got to be smart, especially with kids. Like you, you got, <laughs> they keep you yeah. fresh. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the whole constant thing is kind of, like you said, keeping it fresh and surprise, the element of surprise, I think is a massive thing for yeah. any age group really, because like I said, as soon as something becomes sort of repetitive or predictable, then yeah. you know the element of what we're learning fun engagement is all lost um and i think yeah. as soon as that's lost your impact on an individual a team a club whatever it may be then mm. all of a sudden is followed on by that as well so yeah it's interesting it's um it's definitely sort of uh like you said the, the, the thing of taking the time um, and having the patience, but then also getting everybody else on board as well, I think is, is, is massive. Mm. Make sure that you follow and subscribe to the Daily Coaching Podcast so that you never miss out on an episode.